Welcome back, everyone. This is the FlowTrack Podcast. I am Kevin. He is Gordon. Our email address is flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. And unlike Monday, we got a lot to talk about on the show. We're going to talk about U20 championships, Commonwealth Games, and some very interesting coaching hires in the NCAA world. Gordon, good morning. How are you? Doing good. Uh, it's nice to have some stuff to talk about. Yes, last podcast was a little hard to pull out. Inf- what do we- I forget. I think I started getting upset. Well, we started debating about on athletics is grading at Worlds. It was like, it was getting a little much. I was like, what are we doing? You got upset. You got upset. I was just stating facts. You're like, no, Jordy Bemis should be happy. He didn't make the finals, and he ran like 20 seconds out of a qualifying spot. Uh, yeah, he should be happy that, that. But okay. That's what we were arguing about. Also, we're doing Internet Coach today. We're bringing back the Internet Coach segment at the end of the really? pod. Someone out there needs our help, Gordon. Okay. We are here to provide them with wisdom and advice. It's a good one. It was a good email that got sent to us. It's right in our That's wheelhouse. Right. So – We'll tackle that one at the end of the pod. But let's start first. U-20 championships update. Bum ba da bum. Let's see Le Tobogo of Botswana. You've heard the name. He ran the pre-classic. He ran the world championships. He's one of the bright young stars of the sport. Runs 991 to take the gold in Colombia. And he did it celebrating early. When I watched this clip, I said, man, that looks an awful lot like how Bolt celebrated early back in Beijing. Come to find out, this is no surprise, he was inspired by Bolt to do the celebration. Just a dominant win for him. This is what happens when one of the best guys legitimately in the world also participates in in U20. (laughs) You get margins this big and you get times this fast. Yeah, it was a very incredible performance. And... He is going from, oh, like an interesting story, young guy who is running quick to now shattering records. And now you're going to start thinking, uh-oh, if he keeps on developing quickly, you know, he's going to start being one of those key factors when you talk about the Fred Curleys, Coleman's, and DeGrasse and Jacobs of this world. I mean, I think he could be a factor as quick as next year. I mean, 991 is very fast like most of the top guys are running in the nine eights and he's just on the verge of that so um he's going to be someone to be considered a metal contender i think in 2023 already if if he progresses yeah yeah no guarantees but then you look at him you look at knighton two guys who are in their teenage years running this this fast he just turned 19 and he didn't. His semi didn't go well in Eugene, but he very easily could have been in that world championship final. I mean, he got fifth in that Prefontaine Classic 100 early in the year, which was completely loaded. That was a stacked race, and he held his own there as well, too. So this guy, this guy is is legit. And just the celebration with doing it with that level of ease, being able to celebrate and wanting to celebrate that early, just kind of shows you um, what his mindset is going into these these types of races and i know some people will like hey well what could he have run could he run faster it's also good to see some personality good to see somebody having fun out there um he'll have time to run faster than this 
I don't know if, you know, he'll have that sort of um, ability to dominate in a championship like this again, because it, it's it's going to be tough to do that unless he literally does become Usain Bolt. So I'm, I'm a fan of the celebrations. Yeah. And it's always fun when, uh, you know, Botswana is a smaller country. You know, they've had uh, Isaac McWalla for a few years. It's nice that they have another new young star to kind of just mix it up with the the more of the main big time countries like Jamaica and USA. Mm-hmm. I thought that was an interesting uh, tweet. Cole, you pulled up. It's in the rundown from Cathal Dennehy, our friend Cathal, um, who is in Colombia for the meet. And um, if you scroll up, you get that first tweet and then the response to it. Um, basically, he's you know he said. Uh, I saw the fans. I want to remind them of what you said and Bolt did back in the day. He's my idol, the person I look up to. If somebody took it, it's disrespect. I'm sorry. And then he said he thinks he runs 9-8. And, and there's an interesting response here from sports scientist Ross Tucker. Because we always have this debate, right? How, how, how fast could they have run? And Tucker says he looked at the speeds every 10 meters for Bolt in Beijing. And there's a very small drop-off in speed as a result of celebration. We think it costs a lot more than it does given starting momentum and relaxation. Costs at most 0.05. Still fast. So, I mean, not a scientific measure there too, but I do think we sometimes get carried away of like, man, they started celebrating this early. Let's put that into some sort of celebration calculator and they they could have run 9-6. He did celebrate very early though. I will say that. I mean, I like how Ross Tucker with his uh, Instagram, I mean, Twitter handle Science of Sport just always finds a way to like come on in and be like, well, actually, you know, he's not going to be that fast. According to my analysis that I'm doing at 1.42 a.m. on August 3rd, 2022, boom, 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 boom. It's not that fast. Uh, well, you don't know what time zone he's in. Well, I think it is true, though. Like, your legs are still moving fast, right? Like, yeah. So you, you have an interesting situation with Bolt, right? He runs the 9-6-9, celebrating way early in Beijing. Then the next year, goes hard all the way through in Berlin not and is, you know, 0.11 faster. Now, okay, you could say, well, those obviously aren't perfectly identical circumstances. The weather, everything is a little bit different. But... I think when he ran nine six nine and people were to like guess, okay, what could this guy do if he runs all the way through the line? They might have said faster than nine five eight. Now you figure another year, he's another year faster, another year stronger. He was still on the rise in his in his career. You'll never know for sure, but I think it's strange to say, but I think celebrating to Tucker's point does slow us down less than we think it does. I mean, if he turns around and starts dancing, that's a little bit different. But just, I mean, just the turning and the pointing and stuff, once you're already up at that speed, listen, I've never reached that speed. I'm never going to reach that speed. I don't know what that speed's like at all. But I think once you're going that quick, you're not slowing down um, as much as, as we sometimes assume or we like to speculate about. Yeah. You did a great job as in breaking that down while your car would get broken into. Did you hear that in the background? No. It was like what? a car alarm. Is that you? I think that was you, Gordon. That's your car. Oh, it's my car alarm? <laughs> no. <laughs> Maybe that was my side. Okay. Yeah, great. 
Great way to way mm. to really end that segment with a punch there. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying, I was I was distracted by the car alarm while you were talking about um, the percentage of was, celebration to slowing down. Yeah, I I didn't hear anything. So I had no idea okay. what you're talking about. Sorry. When you, I, I was just hearing like, a massive start. car alarm go beep, 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 beep. But yeah. you weren't hearing it. So we're fine. Great start. Great start to yeah. the show by you. Uh, Commonwealth side of things. Uh, Jacob Caplimo won the 10K. There are only nine people in the race. Elaine thompson Ross are in the 100, which is exciting. And that women's 800 is going to be good. They did the first round of the women's eight. And then now they don't have the final until... Like the last day, August 6th. It's very interesting how they're doing the schedule. But Kiplimo winning the gold was the was the highlight so far, I thought. Easy, easy win for him. Again, not a very deep race, which is unfortunate because this could have been kind of a fun a fun battle, but he outkicked a Benio over the last twenty meters and won by a healthy margin. Kai Robinson, Stanford. He uh, ran a new PB, 27.44. He's going to be someone to keep an eye on. And Adrian Wildshut, I'm not sure if he's graduated yet from Florida State. Um, he still has eligibility. I'm not sure. But uh, it's kind of – I always like seeing if there's any, like, college kid who is still going late into the year who needs to turn around for a cross-country season, you know. Yeah. I mean – People are starting. That's where most people are watching. That's why most people watch Commonwealth. They're like, who's going to have that short turnaround to NCAA cross where they run three times? Colt, can you pull up the 100, the men's 100? Um, And then just let's just check out the summary. Just click on one of those. 10 heats. heats. Look at that. 10 heats. A lot of heats. Yeah, we're not to the final yet. So we need to get this. We need to go back and just look at this. Click on one of those heats and then hit summary. Yeah. It should be a, is there a summary tab at the top? There you go. Right next to results. Boom. So these are the top qualifiers in, in, uh, the men's hundred Abikun of Sri Lanka, 10 Omanyala is there. I, I mean, he wants a gold after what happened to him in world's SMA, then Sambine, uh, Rohan Browning of Australia, uh, farther down there, favor Ashe, Tennessee, uh, athlete, uh, represents Nigeria. Ekwewa represents Nigeria. Nathaniel Mitchell Blake. So, <laughs> Some big, um, some some bigger names in this men's hundred. It could get interesting. <laughs> the issue is, are you done? Yeah, Nothing? sorry. Yeah, so there's a mute. If you just go to VMix at the bottom there, you just they click on that microphone thing. There's a mute. That's how I muted the car alarms in the background. Um, my point being, my point being, but the pro- the Birmingham track is not fast. Everybody knows the Birmingham track here is not fast, but so don't expect a 9.8, even maybe a 9.9 low. But even a 9.9 mid with this field is interesting. Um, I'd expect Omanyala will be able to get it done. But there's some other guys here who could pull an upset. I would say he's the favorite right now. Yeah. And, you know, he didn't have the the best situation for him at Worlds with the whole getting in the, the day of no. for his first round. and. You know, just kind of a lot of stress going into the championship week that you kind of don't want to have to deal with. The other athletes didn't. So now he kind of can relax and 
likely be the the top dog going into the semifinals. Yeah. And again, this schedule is kind of weird. The other race I want to mention, women's eight, they already, they have the final set, but it's not going to be for a few days, but you got, you got some, some superstars in the women's 800, um, headlined by Keely Hodgkinson. If you go to the final Colt, you can pull that. I think that final's already set. Yeah. Right there. Keely Hodgkinson, Natoya Ghoul is in the mix. Mary Mora is there. Ricky didn't get through, but it's a pretty solid. It's like a Diamond League caliber women's 800 that we're going to have um, for that I don't think they, final. And I, I don't think they're there yet. Results. Okay. Hit, hit, hit that summary then. Go back to the – and then do the same thing you did for the men's 100 just so we can see the, the eight women that are there if you can, unless we've completely lost connection with the Commonwealth. Women's 800. There we go. We're rolling today. All right. Nope. All right. We are just not going to get Commonwealth. Anyway, Hodgkinson's in there. I just think it's interesting because she's going to run – she said she's going to run Euros too. So she could do a, a string of three championships. <clears throat> this one in in the UK, so it's not as difficult for her. And then you just do the one round and then you're already on to the finals. So I think she should be able to – to get it done, but Mora's in there as well, and she was a bronze medalist at, at the World Championships. So, you know, it's going to be a tough, it's going to be a, a tough ask to, to to pull it off. But is she? Is there anyone in line to pull off the trifecta? Well, I thought Whiteman, but he's running the. Does that count if he runs the eight hundred? Or he's running the eight hundred. Is he running the eight hundred Euros or eight hundred in Commonwealth? Uh, I'm already. I don't know. That up. counts. I, okay. I think that I I said that counts. I mean, Korea is not in the eight, right? Well, he can't run the Euro Championship. Oh, he can't run Euros. I forgot about that. Yeah, Kenya's not in Europe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who else? It's mostly British. It's mostly. You talking about three golds? Yeah, three golds. Yeah, so it's. It, I don't think anybody. Whiteman is the only one. Well, other than okay. Whiteman. I mean, how many? The throwing side. I don't know the Commonwealth European countries, so I got yelled at oh. last time I predicted that. Well, you thought Norway was in the Commonwealth Games. I'm just looking at I – mean, um, no, don't say it. Don't say it. Um, Whiteman was the only gold medalist <laughs> for Great Britain. Yeah. That was it. So I think it's just Whiteman. If there's somebody else that I'm forgetting – Belgium Please. in the Commonwealth? No. What not. about what other European countries are in the Commonwealth? Uh, I think it's just UK. I mean, they they break it up for Commonwealth with England and Scotland and Wales. Yeah. Is, is that the whole right. list, Colt? Yeah, that's it, right? Yeah, it's a whole list. Yeah, yeah. So it's just Jake Whiteman. Jake Whiteman, I think, is the only because he's the only. Uh, athlete who got a gold in, in Eugene. Did you know that the Bahamas have T-H-E in their name? I didn't know that. I didn't know it was called The Bahamas. The Bahamas. Bahamas? Yeah. Like, it's like the Ohio State University. It's pretty badass. Yeah. They're like, we're going to put the word the in our official name. The Facebook? Yeah, the Facebook. So when he's a man right. for president, he's like, we got to change the name from the Bahamas to Oh, Bahamas. the Gambia? I've only heard it called Gambia. That's interesting. The Gambia. 
So the trifecta, really, it's just Jake Whiteman. I hope he goes for it. You're right. I'll give him credit, even if he doesn't run the 1500. Yeah, one of those. just three goals. Maybe the eight. Just, yeah, yeah. If, you, if you're able to pull that off, you get full credit for pulling off the trifecta. I'll be impressed with some doubles, too. There's a lot, lot more people, obviously, who can uh, potentially pull off the double. But GB in all three meets. Be fun to see. So um, we'll have more on that on Friday because we got more action coming. There hasn't been enough. Uh, hasn't been a, a ton of results yet. All right. Let's talk about these uh, coaching changes, shall we? Yeah. First of all, I want to start with a story. Have we told the Jerry Schumacher, you eating an ice cream cone story on the pod yet? Or have we just told that to everybody we know? I don't know if we told the pod. Okay. Oh, we did? Okay, never mind then. I don't want to retell it then. I just, it's a great story. In any event, (laughs) I thought of it because we find out Shlaine Flanagan is being named Oregon coach. And that was one of the things we talked about when we saw Jerry Schumacher and Eugene while Gordon was eating an ice cream cone that was melting in his hand that he refused to eat in front of Jerry Schumacher. Because what'd you say? As a grown adult, you felt weird (laughs) eating an ice cream cone. Licking an ice cream cone in front of him. Yeah. But then I also felt weird of it melting on my hand. It was a lose-lose situation. Lose, lose. Yeah. Uh, all right. So this is not a surprise. Flanagan was an assistant at, at Bowerman, but now they make it official. She's going to coach uh, for the U of O, assistant distance coach for men and women. U of O also announced that they're going to retain Curtis Taylor, the sprint coach, which I thought was a really, really interesting um, decision because oftentimes you see a new staff comes in and everybody from the old staff gets replaced. Taylor's been there for a while, coached a ton of big names, had a lot of success. So um, Schumacher trying to keep that sort of uh, run of success going, keep the continuity there on the sprint side of things while obviously changing things up with the uh, distance side. What do you think about um, Flanagan and, and Taylor um, coaching next year for Yovo? Yeah, on Flanagan, it was expected. I mean, I think this was all kind of pre like assumed and known that you know Flanagan would become you know take over and I'm not sure if she's going to be specifically only on the women's you know distance side or if it's going to be still like kind of a no, collaboration between both so she's doing men's and women's it's not a women's only position it said men yeah it says men's yeah. and women's so she'll be collabing with Jerry to focus on the distance runners um and I mean Clearly, they work well together. Uh, Shalane has done a great job at transitioning from, you know, her marathon career to now being more in a coaching um, position. And this is, you know, a great opportunity. And uh, you can't ask for a better first college coaching job than University of Oregon. Uh, And I guess she's kind of earned that ability to be given that amount of trust based off of her experience as a pro as a college athlete and ultimately as an assistant coach at Bowerman for the past few years so I'm excited there is going to be a lot of intrigue on how I mean obviously you shouldn't judge a team by their first season but we're all going to be watching like the first results come through for Oregon cross country oh yeah because we're all going to want to know like what what type of team are we going to see on day one but then also, you mentioned uh, Taylor 
for sprints, that is like probably going to be the most important hire that yeah. Jerry has for his entire career because we know what we're going to get from him from the distance side. But I don't think Jerry has any knowledge of what it takes to grow a true good sprint program. And the fact that he's able to get a guy who's like, oh, I've been doing it for many years in this place. I've been recruiting yeah. to this place for many years. And I've had success after success. He literally is going to have two of the fastest 100-meter runners on the team at the same time. If Michael Williams and his Tobogo, right, he's, 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 he's going to Oregon. Well, I'm – yeah, I'm wondering about that. Dystat reported that you know Tobogo had said that he's attending Oregon next year. Now that was before he ran 991, so I don't know if things have changed. But yeah, if if it's Tobogo and Makai Williams next year in Eugene, that would be nuts. I mean, we don't know if Williams is staying or what he's doing, but I'm I'm guessing that chances of Williams staying went up by retaining his coach. I think that's a safe yeah. assumption. Yeah. I'm not sure how much though Robert Johnson was involved in Williams training versus Curtis Taylor. You know, sometimes certain athletes get, you know, one off trained by unique coaches in a, within a, a staff. But Curtis Taylor, well, you and, mean he's 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 one of the best in the business. Yeah, he's been he was there nine years. So go back and think of all the times Oregon's had a prominent sprinter over the past nine years. That's a lot of big names. That, that yeah. he's coached. And uh, I mean, in the Oregon release, I mean, they mentioned Makai Williams and Kemba Nelson as two of the people that, that he coached, the two of the more recent people who have won NCAA titles. Um, so, yeah, I agree. This kind of, to me, is a was like a bigger question mark of what he was going to do because I just always assumed Flanagan was going to be there. Uh, and it just allows for continuity on the sprint side of things. Distance, you could see obviously people leaving because they came with one coach and then now it's a different coach and maybe the transfer portal is popping. And also people probably wanted to come in because there's probably a bunch of people there who want to be trained by Shalane Flanagan. And maybe they're not that familiar with Jerry Schumacher because Jerry Schumacher wasn't a famous athlete a couple of years ago. Jerry Schumacher wasn't winning the New York City Marathon a couple yeah. of years ago. That was Shalane Flanagan. And, and if you're trying to connect and find an audience with high school runners, I think Flanagan's name uh, carries a bit more in those circles than someone like Schumacher, even though Schumacher's been a coach for a very long time. I think your point, too, about the results next year is interesting because usually there's some time. Oh, we give a, a program time. I don't think there's going to be much time here given – there's going to be a very short leash. And again, maybe it's unfair because you got to get your kids into the program and they got to get used to your system. But remember, they were really successful last year. They were really successful two years ago. Now, were they as successful as they wanted to be? No, but you look, you go event group by event group. Uh, it was pretty good. Like they had something to hang their hat on, either an individual title or a, or a team success in a lot of different event groups. So I don't think there's going to be a lot of people saying, let's just let's just give them four or five years to get their recruits through, and then we'll see from there. Now, nah, it's going to be moment one. Is Oregon better or worse than they were last year? Yeah. We'll be excited to watch. 
Yeah, and I haven't been following the transfer portal, but uh, sometimes it's hard to figure out who's going where. Uh, but I guess yeah. we'll find out in a few weeks when we start seeing some rosters officially pop up on school websites. And we'll be like, oh, wow, okay. Mm-hmm. And we'll start seeing who wants to make the trek to Eugene to join the Bowerman crew to see what goes down. I mean, if you yeah. were... If you were like the number three runner on like a good team, but you know, just yeah. you weren't like in love with your school, would you consider like ripping it all up and trying to see what would happen if you went to Oregon? Like, well, think there's kids out there right now who are like, hey, let, why not? Let's see. We want to take that risk. What if, yeah, and also, what if you're the number one runner who wants to run professionally? Or I don't know, maybe the Bowerman Track Club. <laughs> you think that helps? Yeah. You think that's He's a like, selling oh, point? It's a way to get his attention. I wanna. I'm literally on, on your team. <laughs> I'm literally on your team. I'm at practice every day. Put me in, coach. Um, Thomas in the chat says, "Can Shalane Flanagan recruit?" That's a very important part of college coaching at this level. Yes. Absolutely. And and we don't know because she hasn't had to recruit. And that's obviously a different skill set. But I think because she's Shalane Flanagan and people know her, that's going to open up opportunities for her to, to have conversations um, with athletes and, and connect with athletes that other coaches uh, might struggle with. Isn't Shalane Flanagan one of the key reasons why there are so many women in the Bowerman Track Club? Because it yes. wasn't that long ago when it was an all like basically all men's group. There's like Amy yeah. Cra- Craig and Shalane Franken. What are you like the only women in it? And then Shalane's like, no, we're building out a women's team, and now they have all the best women. So I think yes, she can recruit. That's, well, right. That's I guess that's a little little different than recruiting college kids. I'm just saying, like people, she was running and running successfully not that many years ago. So people can, they remember her from her competition days, which I think is a powerful tool when you're recruiting. You don't need to say, hey, remember in the 90s when I made an Olympic team? It's it's Shalane Flanagan. That, in terms of name ID, she's up there, right? Amongst distance runners in the US, she's got to be, towards the top of the list. And now you have her on your staff. Um, I don't know how all the work, like the workload is going to be crazy for both of them. I remember talking to all the Bowerman athletes at Worlds and they said, yeah, I don't know how Jerry's going to balance it, but if anybody can do it, it, it would be Jerry. He, he knows how to make this stuff work. And I think if Flanagan is, she's going to have to have a similar sort of setup because if she's coaching both too, that's that's a lot of work. And maybe this means she'll take a step back from the, Bowerman side of things, and she'll focus more on the Oregon side of things. I'm not sure. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it all all works out. But that's a lot of athletes needing a lot of attention. Yeah, just get a good Excel sheet going. Make sure everyone puts their <laughs> weekly mileage in it. You know, and you should be good to go. Yeah. That's all you need? It's an Excel yeah, just an Excel sheet. But, that's all you need. But, but think about that, though. Like, because to recruit, you got to travel. You got to show up to these meets. You got to do the home visits and stuff. 
But yeah. then if you're also coaching a you're, you're coaching a pro team and this person's going to run this road race this weekend and you got to go there and this person has a, a key workout that you want to be able to attend. Like that's a lot to handle. Yeah. Like we I mean, have, I we've had the recruiting aspect of traveling that. Yeah. We've had obviously pro or sorry, college coaches that coach a couple pros here and there. That's not uncommon I, at any sort of event. Right, sprints, distance, yeah. field, like that—that yeah. that happens all the time. But an entire group is rare. It's different, yeah. This is the first one, I think. Like you're ha- you're managing an entire group. There's a whole crew of athletes there, and it's not like all those athletes are all running all the exact same events, the exact same meets, and traveling on the same schedule. You got people in a variety of different distances who need different workouts. So, don't know how they're going to make it work. Colt uh, asked us a question. Colt, Colt in the chat. Uh, actually, Colt, uh, you, you should want to turn your microphone on and ask us the question. Long time, first time. Go ahead. Oh, glad to be on the show, guys. I'm just curious, like in other sports, uh, like this crossover between being a college um, coach and a pro coach at the same time, are there any like tampering rules about that? I'm just curious. I'm not saying that there should be an issue, but if like <laughs> Nick Saban was coaching Alabama and also in the NFL – like that would be weird, right? That'd be a weird thing. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And this is sort of uh, uncharted territory, I think. I mean, he said when we talked to him, Eugene, he said, "Gordon, you can correct me on this if I have this wording wrong." But I remember him saying two totally different things. They're not going to work out with each other at all, right? So it's two separate entities. They're not going to do the volunteer assistant thing where. You know, Evan Jager and Mohamed is, is like running with the Oregon guys. So it's going to be two separate things. Now, what you're saying, Colt, is then when they turn pro and they go to like sign a contract, right? The person who could theoretically sign the con or the, the person who invites them on the team is the same person who's their college coach. Yeah, that's a little sticky. Don't you think, Gordon? Yeah, but what's what's the foul? Like, who's getting harmed here? I guess Pete Julian. Is that who's getting harmed? Other, yeah, other pro coaches. Well, I think college other coaches, coaches? Would say, well, and college coaches would say it gives them sort of an unfair advantage because you've created this yeah. pipeline where you're able just to recruit the athletes with an understanding that if you run really well and you're in our system, then will be more likely to keep you around. Now, they're not going to say that directly, but I think the implication is pretty clear. You've created a farm system, essentially. You've created a yeah. collegiate farm system. And it's it's different. You know, your Saban example um, is a little different because it's, you know, a team sport to an individual sport. But it's just – it's – we haven't had this setup before where there's just such a clear line. Like, you could say, hey – um, say you go and you run for a six, you run at Texas for Edric Florial, and then you're really good. And then he becomes your, your pro coach, right? I don't think people look at that differently because he's not in charge of a large club that has this membership thing where it's like, Hey, is this person in or this person out? And maybe that's how, maybe that's where, where there's a distinction is like, who's actually signing the check. And it's not, it's not the coaches that are doing it. It's it's Nike. It's doing it. Yeah. Oh, 
this Nike sports marketing person has decided that you, Oregon All-American, are a good fit for the Bowerman Club. So we are going to put you on the team, and your coach will be Jerry Schumacher. However, I mean, it's pretty well known that he's not going to have somebody on the club that he doesn't want on the club. Like, they're picking who's on the team to, to, to a large extent, right? I mean, I'm sure there's been situations in the past where people get you know, recommended or pushed or assigned to certain groups and clubs. But ultimately, I think they, they kind of want who they want. So it is different than just your, your college coach becoming your pro coach. Yeah, I think, it, the, I think it could just be a good, like, icing on the cake for the 17-year-old kid with that dream. Be like, I'm a little closer to that dream if I'm here for four years than if I'm over there for four years. So I think 100%. That's probably, yeah. yeah. That's probably the biggest but what, I think what Colt is asking, though, is like, should that be allowed? Like for college football, for example, like recruiting advantages are taken super seriously. Is that not so much the case mm-hmm. in track and field? Yeah, no, I don't think they I mean, maybe there's, I'm probably there's certain coaches out there who are like, this is the end of my existence and are freaking out about it. I do want, I, I need to get into a conversation with other notable college distance coaches who are going to be recruiting against Jerry and and get their take of how they think it's going to affect their strategy. And like, it's already hard to recruit against Oregon because of the whole, like, this is the home of track and they have all the greatest facilities and all this stuff. And, you know, the legacy of Oregon track and field. that's hard to recruit against, but um, at the end of the it's, day, if you want the kid, you have to. I mean, if the kid wants to come to you, he'll. he'll I don't know. I feel like if this a kid's is more on the inter- fence, you know, I don't know. Yeah, but this is more intertwined than it's ever been. Is I guess my True. point. True. Before you could draw, like, they're getting a contract from Adidas or whoever, and then they're like, "Hey, I got this contract." Uh, and I'm going to be coached by my college coach. Now it's just way more, there's way more overlap. And you're right. It's always been hard to compete against Oregon, but I think usually the pitch used to be, Hey, come to Oregon. You'll have access to all these pro groups. Once you graduate, right? Cause you're already in the area and Hey, OTC elite, they sign a lot of Oregon grads and Bowerman track club and Pete Jillian's group and all these other teams are around. and you'll be able to kind of get exposed to, to that, those, those groups. And we've had a tradition in you know the past of Oregon grads going on and making it to these teams, but it's never been, Oh, and I'm in charge of the team. Yeah. That's what makes it a little different. Do you you need to figure it out. Can... You need to sit down with Jerry, get some more ice cream, chat him up about how this is all going to work. Do you think it's going to be possible for a kid to find a way to con Jerry into getting onto Bowerman Track Club. Like, you're good, but you're not, like, in any other world, you probably wouldn't be on the Bowerman Track Club. Like, you're, like, good, but you're not Bowerman Track Club good. But you're just, like, a hell of a charismatic athlete for him for four years that you'll just be, like, he just likes me so much. He wants me on the team for good vibes. And then all of a sudden you're the good vibes training partner with all the, the best runners in the world. 
that you're able well, to like get that extra level because you're able to develop a a good relationship with the coach for four years. Good, good, uh, a good locker room person is what you're saying. Yeah, it's like you know Udonis Haslam on the Miami Heat. Yeah, he's still there. He's not good at basketball, but he's going to continue to sign another one year contract. The culture guy, culture guy. Yeah, yeah. heat culture. Dot culture. Listen, I think there's going to be some people if this continues, you know, four or five years in the future, who end up on the club who you're like, wait a minute, why are they there? And it's probably because he's worked with them for the last four years. And he knows there's potential and the PRs just don't match up to the potential. Yeah. Right. Cause he, cause he's seen the athlete firsthand. Oh, this person's going to fit in my system. They just need a little bit more time or they just had an unfortunate break with injury and they're going to develop into something. And from the outside, everyone's going to be wondering why is that person on that high profile of a club? And, but they're going to feel good about it because they have this farm system. Yeah. Anyway, it's going to be interesting. The other big one, the other big coaching announcement, Sean Brosden, Newberry Park head coach, is going to UCLA to be an assistant there for the distance program and coach cross-country as well. Obviously, he was at the helm of the greatest boys country team in history featuring um, some of the greatest runners in collegiate history coach nico young lex young leo young um of course this year colin salman aaron salman the list goes on and on they put up historically low scores in the biggest meets in the nation and we see a high school coach gordon making a jump the college ranks. What do you think about this hire? This doesn't happen often, right? You normally don't go from right. high school to college. Like you normally go from grad assistant to assistant to another assistant to then to you know a head position. You don't go from head yeah. high school to head college because he's the head cross country coach, right? In this situation, I know his title says assistant coach, but he's in charge of the distance program. Is that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this is why I mean this is that's how it's worded, yeah. Yeah. This is wild. I mean, and I'm kind of very interested to see how it plays out because I didn't know who Sean Brosnan was like five years ago. And then all of a sudden Nico Young comes along <laughs> and then all the other kids come along and now it's he's like that program becomes the center of the universe for the past like three to four years. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to see what he does at when it comes to training, you know, 18 to 22 year olds versus training 14 to 17 year olds. I feel like there's a big difference there and the competition's mm-hmm. different and like the expectations. And, but at the end of the day, he has been kind of training his 16 to 17 year olds like collegiate athletes in a weird way with their racing schedule and, you know, what their expectations were. So mm-hmm. I'll be excited to see how it plays out. Can he make that jump? Because I think it is a very different jump. It's going to be very new. I think a lot yeah. of times the reason why college coaches 
come within the college ranks is because they kind of want, you know, young aspiring coaches to already kind of understand this world. It's very different from the high school world. That's why they do the grad assistant for a few years and then assistant for a few years and then head coach. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited for that. But then I'm also like, what does this mean for the three stars that are still in high school this year? Lex, Leo, mm-hmm. and Aaron, right? They're all – Yeah. They're going to have like a crazy senior years. Do any of those kids transfer? Not transfer or like – Go to UCLA now? Like, is this UCLA mm-hmm. being like, yo, we might get one of the Newberry Park kids if they have their <laughs> coach? Because I'm sure Sean's going to be like, hey, call up Lex, Leo, and Aaron. You want to come to UCLA? Like, that's going to be his first call as soon as he puts on the, the shirt. So I'll be excited to see how it plays out the domino effect of what goes down. It seems as if you almost need a resume like this to make this sort of jump because it is so yeah. rare. I know it's it's happened before, but usually it's this was a star athlete themselves, then they become a grad assistant, you're right, then they work their their way up into the program. They ran at UCLA or they ran at Oregon, et cetera, et cetera. To be in high school for even that long and and to accumulate that sort of record though. I think makes him an appealing candidate, especially in Southern California. Because if you're thinking, hey, there's a ton of talent in Southern California, how do we get that talent to UCLA? Again, people know his name now, right? He's able to have conversations with athletes that, to our point earlier about Shalane Flanagan, it's for a different reason. But I think high school kids in Southern California, distance running, know him because of what he's done at Newberry Park. So I think it's an interesting decision. No idea how it will go. Cause you don't even like how many scholarships are they going to give to the distance program, right? How many kids is he going to be able to, you know, get to come over from Newberry Park, if any at all, you don't know those sorts of things yet. So, but I think it's, it's in, an interesting way to fill a position with a very successful high school coach. Um, but there are obviously some question marks because, yeah, he trained them at a very high level. And, yeah, they were running faster than a lot of college kids were running. But it is different. You're, you're dealing with a different age group. And, and different um, age groups have different needs. Um, kids in college are different than kids that are in high school. The, you know, the recruiting element outside of, you know, the immediate, like, this short term, right, in four or five years, right, once – He's not known anymore as the Newberry Park coach, the guy who was coaching at Newberry Park, but the guy who's the UCLA coach, you know, can he consistently um, recruit at a high level? But yeah, it was, I guess I wasn't surprised just because of how well he's done. You figured there really wasn't anything left for him to accomplish. It's just weird to see someone go from high school to college on the coaching side of things. Yeah. It would be different if he went from high school to like assistant coach in college, right? Just like, all right, I want to, I want to, because that's normal. But like, go right from high school to head cross country coach. It's kind of wild. I know his name's not head coach, cross country coach, but you know, I don't think Avery Anderson is writing training logs for the distance runners. Mm hmm. 
Yeah. I just, again, it, it's happened in the past, like high school to high school to college, but it's, it's rare. It's, rare. It, it's definitely rare. And it seems, it seems as if it's getting more rare as time goes on for whatever reason. It's just, it seems like people want to go with the person who, you know, has been that grad assistant, who is an alum, who's been in the program, right? Who has that leg up and maybe, maybe they've coached in high school, but that's just, they're also like an alum and they spent like a year coaching in high school and then there are a couple of years of coaching in high school, but really mm-hmm. their, their identity is, you know, as an alum or as somebody who's helped out with the program before, not somebody who's, you know, put in several years building high school program it's just so different because it's like you think of high school coaches as the ones it's like they're trying to figure out when the bus gets picked up there are a lot of them are teach most of them are teaching you know five or six periods a day you know they're worried about their economics class they're worried about their algebra one class uh they're not necessarily worried about nxn and running lane and all this other stuff um they're trying to figure out the lunch schedule and is is leo's does he has he has an excused absence right from government because that day he had a meet you go from that to like trying to figure out how to win conference titles. Also, UCLA's moved to the Big Ten. Oh yeah. So about that. So the recruiting element I think will change a bit too <laughs> because they're going to the Big Ten. We haven't really discussed the impact that'll have on collegiate track and cross country, but it's certainly I mean, from a competition standpoint, they don't really run that much. So doesn't have a huge impact but then theoretically you're competing in in recruiting against big 10 teams too it's gonna be weird like that whole big 10 thing and conference realignment when california schools being in midwest conferences it's kind of wild but hey money talks all right speaking of coaching is it time for us to do a little bit of coaching yes Internet coach. Remember, if you want to participate, uh, email the show, lowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. Lowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. Subject line, internet coach. We got one here from Jason. All right, I'm going to read this email for you. It's from Jason. This isn't your friend, Jason, is it? No, not my friend, Jason. There's more than one Jason out there in the world. This Jason is turning 50 in December, turning 50 in December. Well, He's training for the 100. His best time 100. in 100, 10.67 is his PB. He ran a 40-yard dash in 448. The catch, my best times happened when I was 17. <laughs> I'm turning 50 in December. My goal is to run at Masters Nationals in North Carolina 2023. I haven't sprinted since high school. Football was my main sport, but ran track until my sophomore year. What have I done since high school? College, he rode crew, 22 and on. So post-college, he just lifted weights. 30s, he did triathlons and marathon. And then in his 40s, he did very little training. (laughs) And Jason asks, where should I begin? So obviously very talented but it's been 10 years since he's done any sort of training. Yeah. And it's been even longer since he did any speed work. <laughs> like, yes. like fat, quick twitch. I mean, he, he's going to pull a muscle. I think he's worried about pulling 
like just hurt, getting hurt. That's like a number one goal. Don't get hurt. Because if he's gone ten yes. years without doing very doing very little, that's a long time. I yeah. So hmm. okay. So when is the competition that he's trying to train for? So he's training for Masters Nationals uh, in twenty twenty three. I mean, I'm guessing that's late summer. So does this do me as like a year, like six months to a year? Yeah, a year, I would guess. Look it up. I mean, I would, I would focus on. I'm guessing outdoors, because indoors is March twenty third to April third. Wait, that's that's the World Championships. Never mind. Anyway, oh, here we go. Hold Only on. ten years it. without doing stuff—that's a long time. So I would have to like July twentieth to twenty third. July twentieth to twenty third. Go ahead. This, I mean, remember, this is internet coach. I am not, I am not licensed, and I am not the smartest man in the world. But I'm going to do my best to help you out. So, I would start with doing no, no. Zero, like, fast running for, like, two months. Just go out and just get in shape. Just go for runs, simple runs, as long or as short as you can handle, whatever. And get in shape for two months. And start adding in, like, lifting. You know, just don't even think about what you're focusing on. Just think about just exercising for, like, two months. Get a baseline. Skip back because 10 years is a long time to come back from. Then once you feel like you're getting feeling good about yourself, you're able to just handle normal runs for two to two and a half months, then I would start stepping on a track and getting my feet wet and just pushing myself to a place I ha- you hadn't been in thirty <laughs> in thirty years. Again, it's kind of wild, but this is awesome. I appreciate the grind. Go for it. I'm gonna. I inspires me. I should. Try to go out there and try to flirt with my 400 meter PBs 15 years later. Um, but yeah, I don't know. So yeah, once you do a few months of just regular exercise and just get your body adjusted to to that. Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, just strides. Two to, two to three a times a week. Do lots of strides. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's not about trying to get into your perfect sprint form and all the mechanics behind it. It's really about just getting your body to remember how to handle fast twitch movement. And so you just kind of got to start doing lots and lots of strides and uh, just focus on Re, rebuilding the, the muscle memory of what it's like to move that quick. Um, and don't even think about. Well, like I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you can re. I don't even know if you're going to be able to remember it. That was a long time ago. I think you need to like relearn all of it. I think from scratch. The most important thing, though, you're right. It's not the technique. It's not getting back into shape. The most important thing here is winning. All right, that should be <laughs> your ultimate point. goal. So you yes. just need to you you don't need to run ten six again. You know you just no. need to run one hundredth of a second faster than the next, you know, guy. That's it. That's it. So uh, I think you're right, Gordon. 
do not get injured. Stay injury-free. When in doubt, do less. I think the stuff he's done over the previous decade, like sprinkle a little bit of that in. That's the building block. He did he did triathlons, right? So he did yeah. got on the bike, get on the bike. He did marathons. Don't go and do another marathon, but do a little bit of endurance training, weightlifting, incorporate a little bit of that. I'll, I think you're going to need to get stronger again. I think that's a, a big part of this. Again, don't overdo it, but in order to take a pounding of sprinting, like you're going to need to get stronger and then put the sprint stuff in later. But yeah, I'd like to see in two, three months from now, because we're about, we're less than a year out in two, three months from now, just a consistent workout regimen, right? Where he's doing, where he's just getting back into fitness uh, before he's thinking about sprinting. The idea of coming out of blocks at the age of 50 terrifies me on behalf of everybody who does it. And I know, I know most people don't pop their Achilles coming out of the blocks, but it just, it feels like you're going to, um, when you're that age, maybe he uh, should wear, it. he should probably wear some knee pads when he puts his, gets in the blocks. Cause those knees on that track might be a little painful, my hard track. So maybe the first few weeks when you're doing some block training, wear some knee pads and then eventually you kind of yeah. take them off and you'll feel lighter when you take off the knee pads. Just be careful um, you don't come out too quick. You don't want to get disqualified, you know. That that's too. true. That's also – well, we'll get to his starting technique when we get closer to the meet itself because that's really where our expertise will shine. But, yeah, I think – here, I'll just say it like this. Um, do do some just light endurance work. So, like, either bike riding or a couple-mile run three days a week build up to that. And then the other two days a week, do some sort of resistance training, some sort of strength training, even if it's just push-ups or steps, do that for a couple months before you're even thinking about going to the well. I just, this is an interesting case study about talent because clearly very talented individual to run that fast. So how does he tap into that? Is it possible to still tap into that? You know, can somebody who ran 10, 6, 7, when they were 17, like how do they measure up when they're 50 running against somebody who maybe didn't even run or would have run like 13 seconds when they were 17? Like how, how does that, how does that work? Um, I mean, I, I think, think we should deep down. He's good. Tweet at Ross Tucker, right? Sports science guy. And he'll let us know because he knows. Ask what the, what's the, well, I think, I think at a certain point though, right. You're, talent like you just if you get out of shape like all the talent in the world doesn't help right like that's just like you could for running for like basket for basketball and football right you could still like i still got a jump shot right i could still go back yeah. but like for like running and swimming and cycling i like get endurance stuff if you're just like straight out of shape um all that talent's not going to help so i think let's just Let's just work on getting in, into just basic shape again. Having no injuries is going to be key. Like if you get to the line healthy and just being in decent shape, I kind of like your chances. But then you got to wonder, you know, remember when Johan Blake got hurt after he got hurt and he said when he was coming back, he was just like nervous about getting hurt again. And it was just in the back yeah. of his head all the time. Yeah. You got to kind of figure out a way to run fearlessly again. And maybe maybe Jason naturally runs fearlessly. Maybe that's just in his in his uh, 
in his DNA. Um, but I, I like if I was 50 and I hadn't sprinted in a bunch of years, I would be worried something would go wrong. I would be very worried. I mean, I'm worried right now for myself, and I'm 34. So I can imagine adding another 16 years to it and being like, oh, oh watch out. Yeah. I will say this. Um, one competitive advantage to kind of get into the heads of your competition, because you did say it's all about winning, is when you do get into the blocks, when the, when the runner, when the starter says, take your marks or whatever and get in the blocks, take all the time in the world. Make all the other 50 to 60-year-olds start shaking because they're having to hold a position for so long and you're still kind of like slapping your face and your arms and taking all the time you need to get into your resting position. So take your time. Be the last person to be completely set so that you don't have to have your body start shaking from standing in the same position. Is there like a rule on how long it should take for you to get set? Like, can an athlete just naturally not uh, get set, just take way too long? Is there like a unwritten rule for oh, how long keep... it takes? The unwritten rule? I mean, you can't take any longer than Usain Bolt. I think okay. that's, that's the rule. I remember this guy at Penn. How old was this guy? was 70 plus. What did he run? That guy was flying in that 70-plus age group. Did we have a video of that? Remember, remember the guy at Penn? I mean, oh my God. He, was, he was just out of the blocks. Yeah. What? I think another suggestion is get off of that guy's vibe. Get the sunglasses out. Get the high socks. You know, dress mm -hmm. to impress. Dress for the time you want, not the time, you know, that's – all about it so yeah. yeah and then we'll see uh pen relays should we give him a, a time for, for him for, to run and if he breaks that time we'll we can invite him to pen relays to run in the, the master's hundred we don't, I don't think i'm all we can't i don't think i'm qualified anybody. to give out no the, yeah what are you talking about right. an entry lane but it would be fun if we had a competition a flow track podcast competition where everyone who's 50 and up and we set a time. It's like, if you break this time, you get a spot on the pen release track. You should do that. That'd be fun. If he runs 10, yeah. 6, 7, if he, if, he, if he ties his PB, he can come to pen release. Mm -hmm. I'll personally pay and fly him out. I think that would be remarkable if he did that. The, he's going to have more uh, lucrative offers if he runs 10, 6, 7 at the age of 50. That'd be pretty, pretty astonishing. Well, thanks for writing in, Jason. Hopefully that was good advice to get you going. Keep us updated on, on what you're doing. But I think most important thing, You've done all the stuff in the past. Just tap into a little bit of all of it to get yourself going. Uh, and then this is a whole year journey. So you don't need to be, you don't need to be cranking out, you know, 40 meter accelerations right away. Just wait on that a little bit. Yeah. Take your time. All right. That's it for the pod. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Someone asked about the subscriber pod. Tampa Eagle asked about the subscriber pod. It's coming. We're going to get you the August one here soon. Gordon's got an idea. Yeah. Well, it's just with the worlds being 10 days in a row and travel and all that stuff, kind of, we're, we'll get back into our regular scheduled programming in, in August. So yes, that will return. Yeah. If you guys have ideas on uh, what you want the subscriber pod to be about, let us know. Flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. 
Thanks to Colt for producing the show on Friday. We'll preview the, the diamond league that's coming up this weekend. And also we'll have much more uh, news about Commonwealth and the U 20 championships to discuss until then. Thank you again, everybody for listening, subscribe to the flow track podcast, YouTube channel. We'll talk to you on Friday.